You're listening to Goal Diggers, the podcast on strategy goals and performance management. We speak with experts from all over the globe about the ins and outs of successfully working with strategy, KPIs, and OKRs. Goal Diggers is brought to you by Purdue, the leading strategy execution software for small and mid-market organizations. Over 2,000 organizations worldwide use Purdue to align everyone with the strategy, focus teams on goals that matter, and engage employees to achieve goals and be their best. Head over to Purdue to sign up for your very own free account. That is P-E-R-D-O-O.com. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know about new episodes. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Gold Diggers. I'm Henrik, one of the founders and CEO of Purdue, a strategy execution software. I'll be your host today, and with me today is Richard Russell. Hi, how are you doing? Richard, could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do professionally? Yeah, for sure. So um, mostly these days I work with uh, scale-ups and companies between about 50, sometimes lower, sometimes to 30 people, up to 500 or 1,000 people. Um, usually they've just raised some venture capital. They've gone through a, a seed, Series A, B, C, or D round, uh, raised some money, um, and they've gone through what I call a Mikitani cycle. And the Mikitani cycle is... Um, uh, named after Miki Mikitani, the founder of Rakuten in Japan. And he said that every time a company triples in size, everything breaks. And um, what I do is I help fix those things that are breaking. And in particular, what, we, what I focus on is the management system. And so how are we managing, how are we delegating, how are we um, uh, organizing work, how are we setting goals? Um, usually people engage me because they've heard about or they've used OKRs um, and they're struggling somehow. Like they either look, look at the, read the book and they've decided, I don't quite know how to do that on my own. I would like some help or else they've tried to do it themselves. And this is more than half my customers. They've tried to do it themselves and they've, they're struggling and it doesn't work the way they want it to do and they're not getting the results that they feel like they should be getting. So they call me and I come in and help them with that. And that's usually the starting point. But um, a, sort of a goal setting on its own is not enough. You need to work through the whole operating system of how you're managing, how you're delegating and how you're tracking all of these things as well. I think that's also how I discovered you. So I started following you on LinkedIn not too long ago. Uh, and I really like the stuff that you put out there. I really like some of the posts. Uh, and one stood out in particular, which is actually the reason why I decided to reach out and, and we agreed to do this podcast together. Uh, but you referred to a business um, as a machine. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so business, basically any business, it doesn't really matter what kind of business this is, as long as it's got customers. Um, a business basically is a machine that takes on one side, it takes in customers who have a need or an unmet need or some, they're unsatisfied, they're unhappy in some way, shape or form. And that's the marketing and sales funnel. It takes those customers in on one side, does something to them. And that something might be, it's uh, they're giving them a service, it might be giving a product, it might be a long-term thing, it might be a short-term thing, whatever it is, you're delivering some value to this customer and changing something for the customer. And then out the other end of the machine pops a happy customer or a satisfied customer and profit. And when you think of a, machine, a business like that, a lot of, a lot of my clients, um, you know, they're very intelligent people and they understand their business in a huge amount of detail. Um, but actually crystallizing what the business is, uh, if you can use that framework or a simple framework like that, just, you know, sometimes you'll have two funnels because you have customers and or you have sellers and buyers or something like that, whatever it is, but it's a pretty simple idea and, and trying to get your head around that is the business and that is what we are doing um, helps to clarify your everything about your business model and what you're doing. And then within this business, as you're, when you're working on this business, all the work that you're doing in this business is usually about um, does, you, there are three things that you mostly do. One is you run the machine, right? You have this machine that's going on. You're spending time running that machine. And that's everything from the sales, the marketing, the 
customer support, the customer success, the delivery, the running the product, all that sort of stuff that isn't changing, keeping that machine going, that generates P&L, that generates you know, re revenue and yeah. costs and so on. And that's your running the machine. Building the machine is when you want to say, okay, we want to change something about this machine. We want to modify how our sales funnel works. We want to modify the product itself. We want to add more value to the customer. We want to change the way we're relating to our customer. And that's building the machine. And then, of course, if you're going to build the machine, you need to design the machine. You need to come up with a strategy or an idea of like what it is that I'm trying to achieve as I'm building this machine. So everything you do fits into either design, build, or run the machine. Um, and a lot of this maps back to how businesses generally run or, or organized. But thinking about this like this and thinking about this with this structured way helps you, uh, particularly when you're managing managing teams doing things. So yeah. And, and by the way, I tend to use I tend to use um OKRs is one of my one of the topics that I've been involved in a lot, obviously. I tend to use OKRs mostly for the build phase because it's mostly about what I'm trying to make a change. Whereas running yep. things is mostly about consistency and I want to have metrics and I want to have customer anecdotes and feedback there. So it's I have more about KPIs running, running the machine. Yeah. I, I really like the analogy, uh, but like sometimes you'll, you'll, you, you may have faced this a couple of times already, right? Where people say like businesses, machines, um, like businesses are about people, right? So uh, it's, of course, uh, it's ultimately the people um, that are responsible for building, desi for designing, building, and, run and running the machine. But how does your analogy relate to that? Yeah, so I think um, uh, it's easy if you really want to. It's easy to interpret this in a, what we call a Tayloristic sense, as in, as in people are sort of parts of this machine and they're automatons and we're yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. And, and that sort of management model doesn't really work very well for good reason. Um, and so what's happening here is the people are running the machine. The people are not the machine. People are running the machine. The people are building the machine. The people are designing the machine. And in fact, you actually have two other things you're doing as well. You're, you're staffing the machine, which is like finding the people and, and growing the people and developing teams to do all those things. And you're funding the machine. You're trying to raise money for it. But those are the two areas that I don't tend to work with a huge amount. But when you're thinking about design, building, and running, designing, building, and running this machine, the people doing this are human beings. And they run in a, in a very organic um, uh, human social uh, relationship type uh, situation and people by the way even whatever role people are in they're very rarely just doing one thing like most people if you're running the machine you also have some 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 responsibility for building part of the thing that you're running um, if you're building something mostly you're also involved in the running of it right? if you're building it you're involved in the design of it so it's not like you can separate people out into particular pockets but you can think about these activities in this manner gotcha yeah so do you, do you transition through these stairs through these sort of phases uh, sequentially or do you go back and forth all the time how does that work in reality it's a great question i think i'm uh, i think the best way to think about this is if you think of an early stage startup like when you very first got that very first idea the only thing that's happening there is you're designing something you're designing a strategy you're designing an idea and you go and do some tests and you test this idea you have to build some stuff to test it but it's not really building the machine it's building a test so you're doing this exploration and search to find the business model and that's really the design phase then you, once you sort of found something that works you start to build out a machine to run that business and that's you know if you have think about like um uh, various early stage startups that we know um uh, a lot of them were run by people doing the thing like uh if you if you i think even um uh, airbnb for example they basically had people making you know uh, doing all of the stuff manually and then as they build this business, they start to build processes and, and tools and 
um, uh, and software to be able to do the matching and do the searching and do the uploading and manage customers and all that sort of stuff. So that's the building part. And then at, once you've built this and it starts to work and you've got something happening, that's the running part. Now, this tends to happen so that it grows sequentially over time. But as a business, you're almost always doing all three of them. So you've you have to run the machine. You have to run that. And that's the most important thing because that's where the money comes from. Yeah. So you have to keep running it. But then if you've got, if you're not in stasis, if you're not in this um, milking the cow mode, like this, uh, if, you're, if you're in that sort of like um, uh, mature company approaching decline and you don't need to change anything, you just keep doing the same thing, fine. You're just running the machine. You don't have to do anything else. But most of us exist in environments where we have ambitions to grow and we have a dynamic market. And so we have to keep on building and we have to keep on designing. So we're also building and designing at the same time. We spend our time on all of these things at the same time. I'd love to zoom in on these different uh, phases a little bit more to really understand, like, what are the specific challenges that you have when you when you're in that stage? Um, um, so when we think about what, what is the what, which one should we start with? Does it make most sense to start with designing? I think, it's the, I think it actually makes sense to start with running because in most okay. organizations, that's the most important part. And, and I would call this an activity rather than a phase because the phase implies that sequentiality. Um, yeah. but, but activity is probably a better word. I've never really tried to use that word, but I think it, it works in this context. But if we start with running, um, do you want me to just, just run into this? And, and, and did you have a, want to ask something specific? Yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. Like, so if we start with running, so what, what, what are the specifics of, of what's happening during this activity and what are the challenges that, that companies face? Um, does it change for like the people that you need in your business, for example? Do you need different people for, for running the machine versus people for building the machine? Yeah, generally people tend to fit in more into one stage than another. And what happens with running, let's just talk a bit about what running is. Um, so yeah. I mentioned before it has the, the marketing funnel, the sales process, the onboarding process, the customer success, whatever your business is set up to do, it has all of those things that happen over and over again. Most of this domain of running most of these activities are processes and we run them with KPIs, with metrics and with regularity. And we're basically trying to do the same thing over and over again, slightly better each time. We're trying to scale it up a bit. We're trying to figure out how to do it better, but we're trying to mostly do the same thing over and over again. Um, and if you're in a business that has established for a while, you've got a lot of these processes. So the people who are doing this need to be people who are mostly oriented around uh, efficiency and quality, right? And sort of like that, that sort of work because you're doing the same stuff, right? You, you, you're, um, I do want people to, I, I often, in those situations, I do want people to be thinking about how do I improve this, but I want 92% of their time to go into doing the work, 10% of their time to go into improving and building and changing something new because if, everyone, if everyone's just building, um, yeah. uh, it, it, no one's running, right? And the running is the part that makes the money. So when, I'm, when we are operating this, we think about people who have got that orientation towards process, orientation towards detail, orientation towards efficiency, um, and that kind of thing. Predictability is really important in this space. Even for a startup, predictability is important because you have to know how your business runs to be able to do anything with it. And then the way you manage this, to, to, you have to know how your business runs to be able to grow it, right? And then to manage this aspect of the business, this, this is this core fundamental part of running the business. To manage this mostly is about data and metrics. You can use KPIs. I like to use a weekly business review, sort of a, a, a spreadsheet with like the weekly numbers that matter of, across, this, across the board here. We can segment them. We can do all sorts of interesting analysis on this. But basically, it comes down to how do I understand what's happening here? And I'm looking at this on a regular basis and I'm taking into account actual customer feedback because 
we, yeah, we have this idea that data is um, God and data is true. And mm -hmm. the plural of anecdotes is not data, right? And so on. However, in any business, our data is imperfect and our ability to, uh, the way we're segmenting, the way we're looking at this is not perfect. So if we take in some customer feedback, some customer stories from this, we can then look at how we're operating, what the data is telling us, and does this, is this consistent with the data, with what the customer's feedback is telling us, or is there something we're missing here? And how do we change the way we're looking at our data to really understand what the customer's saying? So Got we combine it. these yeah. things together and we have both of these going on at once. And that then informs our understanding of how a business operates, which then means that we can build and design the business further. And, and who is the weekly business review for? Is that a way for an employee or a manager to report back to the leadership team or? To me, to me I think for... fundamentally for the leadership team. Like I think if, if you're a leadership team, you're a CEO, you're the C-suite. Most of my customers are C-suite, like CEO mm -hmm. and that group, the executive team. Um, and if they're not on top of like every week, what's happening in our business, what's, what's changing, what do these numbers mean? If they're not asking that question, what's the what's the driver? Something changed here. Why did this change? And what's the driver? What's the input here? Yeah. Is there a leading indicator? And they're not asking that question on a regular basis, then they're not getting enough of an understanding of their own business. Um, and then all of those decisions that they make at that strategy sort of level are less informed. And so if you can do this and you have this happening at the same time with the same people, you're, you can make informed decisions. And and do you, do you have a template for that weekly business review? I do. I, I have a very simple, I, I like to use um, Google Sheets. Uh, people use Excel or Google Sheets. I yeah. am a fan of using that kind of tool as opposed to something like a BI tool or something complicated like a tablet. No, but I mean, is it, they, have like, uh, they have like a format that you recommend companies to use with like templated questions. Is that available on your website? Otherwise, we could link a, put a link in the show notes. So I don't have, I have a template that basically doesn't have the questions. So what, cause, cause I, in most cases, the, the numbers or the particular metrics vary based on the business. So what yeah. kind of business you have, usually there's, there's clearly, there's obviously things like marketing and sales numbers and onboarding numbers yeah. and customer retention and churn. And, you know, if you're, if you're a SaaS business, probably pirate metrics is a good place to start, right? Our yeah. acquisition retention. But is that. there the, the weekly business review? So is, is that is that like putting the, the, the KPIs that you should be looking at at a weekly basis into one sheet into one overview? Or do you also recommend people to go through like a certain thought exercise every week answering certain questions, for example? I think that um, uh, when you have the data in the right way, you've got this listed on your on, on a spreadsheet, and you usually have it by week. So you have the previous weeks, and then you just yeah. have columns for weeks, right? So when you're looking at these things, you can see these numbers moving around, see these numbers yeah. changing. And as you're looking at this, you start some questions start to raise, like why is it why is it that we're having more customers coming in the marketing, but we're not selling more? Or why is it that we're selling more, we're not, we, but we're we're having higher churn? Why is it that yeah, it, the churn seems to be going yeah. up. Can we segment the churn? Like, can we segment this and figure out what, who's churning and all that sort of stuff? And so a lot of this is very subjective and very related to the actual actual business. Um, uh, but yeah, you do want to be asking those kinds of questions to, number one, take take action based on the data you're seeing. Um, and number two, find the root causes of whatever you're doing. And number three, increase your understanding of the drivers. Um, and then finally, improve the data so that you can see this more easily in the future. And you seem to be a big proponent of doing that on a weekly basis, right? Is, is, is that because, um, is that on a weekly basis for, for startups and scale-ups? Or do you think as, as companies are bigger, like if you think about a huge company like PepsiCo, like would, would they do it on a weekly basis as well? Or they do have to do that on a, on a monthly or quarterly basis? So, so I, I've picked this habit up from Amazon and Amazon does it on a weekly basis for every business 
and sub business gotcha. and sub yeah. sub business. Like they said, so they're a massive organization. Every single week, every every leader with some level of responsibility for a business um, or a piece of business uh, review does their WBR with their senior stakeholders and their team in, in the room. Now, with a startup, clearly you have less fewer things going on than Amazon, but at the same time. Um, generally, I think weekly is a good idea for most startups, unless you have, like for, for me, I, I have relatively little change week on week, so it doesn't make sense to do it weekly, I do it monthly. Yeah. It's a small one person business, right? Uh, but for most places, you have something changing every week. And the interesting thing is that weekly almost always feels like it's too often. And that's a good thing because if it's a little yeah, bit too yeah. often, you, it means that you can skip one because something went on, someone's sick or whatever, we skip one and life goes on. It also means that by having that familiarity, we get the familiar, familiarity with the numbers and the metrics. So we can look at this much quicker and more efficiently, see this number, see how that something looks weird here, what's going on. And now I'm because if I'm doing this every month, then every month I've got to go, hang on a minute, what does this number mean again? <laughs> and, uh, you know, what, how do we drive that number? And why does it, and, and we are having, having the same question over and over again. So I find doing a weekly is a really good idea just because it creates that familiarity, that depth of understanding and that, that confidence around the numbers. Got it. Um, so that was really helpful. So we, we've been talking about the, the, the running the machine uh, activity, um, but um, it, it feels to me as if by, by doing that exercise, it sort of it sort of drives inspiration for uh, things you want to change in the design or things that uh, that you want to rebuild, for example. Like, yeah. So, so, what, so what, what, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, so basically, as, when you're when you're really familiar with the business, um, this is how you can know what changes I really want to make, right? If I'm if I'm disconnected from this, it's very hard to know what changes I want to make and what I want to build. And I'm going off gut feeling, and so on. when I'm really connected, I understand this and I understand the impact of the changes I'm doing as I'm doing them. So, whenever we're building the machine, usually what we're doing, is, most of my customers, we're using OKRs. We're saying, I want to meet this objective. I want to change something about my machine. I want to change the way our sales funnel works. I want to change the way this product is providing value. I want to increase this particular type of value. Whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm trying to come up with a way of doing this. And I'm measuring this based on some metric or some milestones or some other, other way that I've set a key result that tells me, yes, we're successful in this. Now, if I'm doing this on a regular basis at, you know, with the same group of people that I'm also looking at the numbers, the, the, that, that uh, numbers, these things are linked because actually what we're doing if we're doing meaningful goals and changing things, we're changing the business, we're changing that machine. So yeah. now I, I've got sort of these two things reinforcing each other. I'm not only, I'm looking at the business on a regular basis, seeing those seasonality changes, seeing the how the business works and digging deeper into inputs and drivers and leading indicators and that kind of thing. And I'm also doing changes and seeing how that change is affecting my business. And I've got a better idea as I'm doing this, what works well, what doesn't work well, and what to do in the future and how to make a better change in the future. And these, these other two stages, like the designing and the, and the building, like are, are, are these more tightly connected? Like do they, do they have to go hand in hand? Like where, where do you draw the line for the design stages? How, like how, for us, I keep calling it a stage, but it's, it's an activity of course, but um, where, where do you draw the line between designing it and, and actually building it? Like, is there a constant feedback loop between the two or? So I think I think of design as mostly like strategy development, and it's it's kind of and strategy and innovation are basically two sides of the same coin, right? So I'm coming up with a new idea, I'm coming up with a new product, I've got a strategy to enter this market or to expand that market or to expand my ideal customer profile, whatever I'm doing to provide more value, to increase 
you know, increase the touch points that with my customer, whatever it is that I'm doing. Okay. And that's my strategy, right? So yeah. that clearly informs your what you're building. Because if you have a strategy yeah. you've designed, you're then building according to what you've decided to do. Um, in order to have that good strategy, you need to understand how the business is operating and what kind of building you've done in the past. So all these things link together. You, yeah. do, you can't just, you, you can't separate these out. I have one customer who tried to separate that kind of thing out between a strategy team and an operations team. In fact, I've seen that in quite a lot of companies. It doesn't work because these are all the same type of area and I need people with the same brains understanding the operations and making the building priority decisions and uh, understanding the strategy and designing the strategy. Yeah, although they do often say that strategy is the, it's, it's, it's ultimately the responsibility of, of the CEO. That's what they often say. I see more and more companies also putting in place a chief strategy officer. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you're the CEO, the CEO is the chief executive officer. An executive is basically another word for operations and executing things. Yeah, true. So, <laughs> so, yes, the CEO is the fundamental role is strategy. You've got strategy, you've got keeping money in the bank, you've got building the team. And you've got making sure that um, you've, your things are actually executing is a fundamental part of the job. And so yeah. CEO needs to be involved in all three of these things. You can't have a CEO sitting in an ivory tower strategizing, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, Without, yeah. And, and at the same time, I don't want the CEO to spend all their time doing the operations and having their fingers deep in it. But I do want the CEO to be um, understanding deeply enough what is really happening at the at the coalface. And so I need you need to have some understanding, some way to dig into this and some familiarity with the numbers to be able to make good strategy decisions. Yeah, but at the same time, you also don't want the entire company designing the strategy, right? Like you need to, Yeah. ultimately someone has to call the shots. This is, this is true, but it, like, to, so in most cases that I've worked in, like what you know, CEOs obviously have more of their brain associated with that part of the activity than the rest of the organization, because that's yeah. more what the job is supposed to be, or a bit more forward looking. At the same time, if you want to have a successful strategy, you need to engage your team. You don't have to engage everybody. There's no point in having a, let's have a big strategy party and everyone puts a, brings a puzzle piece, right? But I do want to have at least my top team engaged in that conversation and I want them engaged with their teams in the conversation so yeah. that number one, everyone understands whatever we come up with so that I can take into account the things that other people know and their brains and what, what they're thinking and their knowledge um, that we're going on. And so that finally, at the end of the day, they buy into it and they do it, right? Because yeah. I can, if, I have a, if I have a wonderful strategy in my head and now I've got to execute this through an organization of 200 people, um, getting everyone else to buy into that is a big, hard job. If I can engage them in so that they feel like they've been engaged in building this and developing it and they've been heard uh, and, and they're familiar with the whys all, all the way through, um, it's much easier to get things moving because everyone understands where they're coming from and going to. If you look at the company like Amazon, one of the Amazon's massive strengths, despite having one and a half million people and probably a hundred or 200,000 people in headquarters, is that people are generally pretty engaged with the strategy. And it's not like your average you know, senior software engineer can change the fundamental strategy of Amazon, but they're engaged yeah. enough to know how their area is working and what the priorities are and you know, to provide some input to that. And they have opportunities to provide, to provide input. And is, is, is that a matter of communication? Yeah, so, so like it, it certainly is communication. I think that, that, I mean, a lot of this is basically a lot of these tools, like having that weekly executive meeting where you're looking into the numbers and you're working with some people and sort of 
you know, quizzing them and understanding them and coaching them on, on stuff. That's the kind of communication that happens on a regular basis. It's not the formalized, we are now going to communicate about strategy. It's like every week we're having this execution cadence where we talk about our operations, we talk about what we're building, we talk about our progress, and we're having the conversation about strategy as we go through this. And so people start to understand that I'm coaching people on the strategy. I'm coaching people like, the reason we're doing this is because of this reason and the other reason and because this is our strategy. Yeah. And I'm also hearing their critique and hearing their problems and then responding to that. And so we can have that ongoing basis as we go through. Let, let, let's talk a bit about the, the, the problems that they, they face when working with this mental model. But before we do that, I was just remembered of an HBR article uh, that, I, that I read recently. Uh, and I think it stated that 95%, according to a research that the authors did, 95% uh, of a company's employees do not know or do not understand the company's strategy. This sounds, this sounds, uh, this sounds low. <laughs> but, but, I mean, yes. But this is something that you also see working with your clients yeah. then. Even in a small organization, a relatively young organization, like a large company, strategy can feel very complex. But at the end of the day, strategies shouldn't be that complex. And if it is so complex, then of course no one's going to get it, right? Yeah. If it's something that you require, in order to explain my strategy, I have to have 35 slides. Uh, no, you don't. You don't. That means you don't have a strategy. If, if your strategy is we have six pillars, and then the, the consequence of that is like, well, okay, well, so what do we do? Which which ones are we focusing on when and how? That yeah. means your strategy is not clear enough, right? So yeah. yes, I certainly come across this. One of the things that I tend to do with all my customers is I interview even just the C team, the executive team, and I ask them all, so what is the strategy? And I write down what they say. And then I can replay this back to the, the whole team, just like not without naming people, but here are the variety of things that you, your team your senior team thinks other strategy and they're all different and they have different words and they're they're complicated and that's why this is one of the reasons you're not you're not getting where you want to go is because your even your senior team can't articulate what the strategy is in a consistent way um, and the reason for that usually is because there isn't a clear enough strategy in the first place it's a lot of hand waving but this yeah this also reminds me of another linkedin post that you put out recently where you said i think what do you say you said something like Ask ten people uh, for a definition of strategy, and you get ten different answers. Yeah, yeah exactly. how does these two do these two relate to each other? So you're saying on one hand, there's, there's within a company, even within the C team, uh, there is no common understanding of what the company strategy is, and then at the same time, people don't even really understand what strategy is at all. Yeah, yeah. So, so the the words have the, the word has a problem, and I, I think in some sense, I don't really mind too much. Um, whether what people's definition is of strategy, as long as there is, as long as there is one. As long as they have within the C team, they have a common understanding of. I can't understand what it is, but it also has to answer two questions. And the question, there's a, there's a fundamental two questions, which are, where are we playing? Like, who, who are our customers and, and, and what problem do they have? And which ones are we solving first, right? So part of that is gotcha. about segmentation, either customer profile, understanding the yeah. customer problem. So it's where are we playing? And what's our domain and who else is playing in this domain? So they're just understanding this space that we're playing in and where we're not playing. And then how are we going to win? And, and this how are we going to win is the fundamental question of strategy, right? If you can only answer one question, that's the question to answer. How are we going to win in this, in this domain that we're playing in? And the thing is that when you have a series of pillars, usually it's more like, well, here are all of the things that we could do. These are the candidate things. These are the if you break down revenue, it comes from you know, cost of goods sold and number of goods and the number of customers and number of things in the cart or whatever it is, right? 
and so if we put those things as our pillars, well, clearly we haven't got a strategy. We're just saying, well, that's what the that's what the equation tells us, right? Um, if we have pillars of like that sort of cover everything, it's like, well, that's not really helping me yeah, know how yeah, to win yeah. that. Being, these are the options we have for winning. So my question is, uh, what specifically are you going to do in order to win, and how is that going to help you win in this yeah. in this team? Um, and if you can answer that question, then you've got a clear strategy, and you you have to be able to turn that into a bit of a narrative, a story, so that it sticks in people's minds, because we're not going to regurgitate you know, complicated. I think, I think it's Michael Porter who says that strategy is more about choosing what not to do um, yeah. and choosing what to do, which probably isn't true, but um, it, it does communicate very well that you have to make these tough choices, otherwise you end up with a lousy strategy. But, but it so is true. And this is the thing, like, you, you, know, you think about, like, for me, for example, my customer, I, I work with executive teams of scale-ups and I don't work with large organizations like Fortune 500s. I yeah. will work with them if they come to me and they want to pay me to do some stuff, but I'm not talking to them. I'm not marketing to them. I'm yeah. not selling to them. They're not my target customer. Um, and I'm not too worried about that. And that's how I can be much more successful at selling to my particular customers because I understand them and they know I understand them because I speak their language. Um, and it's the same with you. And it's the same with any, with any other company that has a strong strategy. They know what they are doing and what they're not doing. And so, I mean, Apple wins on their strategy partially because they're not trying to make a a laptop for every particular need. They don't have yeah. 35 varieties of laptop. Um, they have what, you know, four or six or whatever they have now. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, the, the people that listen to this podcast, uh, Richard, um, they're, all, like, they're, they're all people that care a lot about uh, their organizations, the strategy, executing the strategy through KPIs and OKR. So I can imagine people listening to this wanting to get started with your mental model. Uh, what, what advice do you have for them? What are are there like specific risks that they need to keep in mind when they start working with this? Um, no, I think it's more a matter of like just being clear about what you're trying to do. Like, I, I don't think it's necessary to formalize this in a really strict way. I had one customer who really wanted to formalize it, and it's just it's not necessary, not really necessary. It's just helpful to have that in your head of like I'm most of the work that's really important here is running the machine, and I need to have some metrics to drive this right, and I here I'm trying to build the machine and I need some, I need some goals and I need teams to be doing the, running those goals and they need plans to deliver those goals, right? But I mean, I just need to think about these things in a particular way to get the result. There's not, I wouldn't say that there's a, a series of steps you, you do to, to adopt this mental model. I just find it a really useful model for uh, you know, rapidly understanding a business and for making sure that the, the business is consistently understood by the people within the business. Because this is the biggest problem is that and what, what I'm, the problem I'm trying to resolve here in many cases is that some people have a clear understanding of the business, very complicated understanding, but in the rest of the business, not everyone does. And you have someone who's in customer service who doesn't quite understand how this all fits together and, and so on. And so helping them understand how this fits together is, is really the key, the key here. Got it. One last question from my end then. The, um, you, you mentioned earlier on that when you're thinking about building the machine, right? And, 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 and uh, oh no, sorry, when you, when you think about running the machine and you have all these processes and what are the types of people that you need? You want people that, that get, are excited about running these processes and are very efficient at running these processes. But how do you balance the effort between these, um, these different activities, right? Is, is there a risk of losing yourself in running the machine? Like things go well, you keep on running it and you completely forget about like, redesigning it and rebuilding it yeah so this is um this is something people often talk about as like getting stuck in the whirlwind of daily execution right and and that's the stuff that tends to be tends to have its own urgent urgency 
And so it tends to multiply and it tends to, you know, there's fire here, there's a problem there, there's another thing to do here, there's another ticket coming in. We've got all this work to do. So that tends to attract quite a lot of attention naturally, right? Um, I haven't met many companies that don't pay enough, that don't pay sufficient attention to it. Sometimes it does happen. Um, but basically, fundamentally, that's the thing you're trying to do. One of the you're, because you're, if you're running a business that's reasonably successful, you'll have a lot of things going on in that area. Your trick is to usually, how do I, how do I keep that going, delegate it so that it's happening and happening well and people understand what success and good looks like? And then how do I step back a little bit from this and go to that, uh, in the Eisenhower quadrant, the important but not urgent things, which are usually the building of the machine. How do I step yeah. back from that? And that's where I think OKRs and having that court, that weekly um, uh, you know, execution cadence where we check on how our plan's going and how we're going at delivering our OKRs, that is a mechanism to drive urgency into these things that are not otherwise urgent, right? Um, you have to do the same kind of thing with some sort of cadence, not as frequent, but same some sort of cadence with design. Like, I mean, and that basically is like when you're setting your OKRs, you're often going through a process of, so what are we trying to do here? <laughs> and that's sort of the trigger to cause you to make sure you're doing that regular thinking about, about um, uh, about True, design, yeah. about strategy. I find, by the way, that the act of setting OKRs is one of the tools that people use, that I use, to help people realize when they have a slightly weak strategy. Because if their strategy is weak, they can't decide what OKRs to do, what things to build, because their strategy is not clear enough. And so that's one of the tools that I use to help trigger that conversation. Cool. Um, I personally found this a very helpful conversation, uh, Richard, and I hope our audience think the same. Is there anything else that you want to share before we before we let them go? Well, the one thing that I think is really important is that uh, following any particular model, whatever it is, religiously, like uh, like by rote, doesn't work because you have a particular business with particular needs. You need to sort of like solve the problems you have, not the ones you don't. So. And my classic example of this is don't copy Google's OKR system because that works for Google and they have different problems to you. So do something that works for you. Um, and a lot of that means like adopting and adapting and changing various things. So even with this model, if this is helpful, use it. If it's not helpful, if it doesn't solve a problem that you have, well, keep doing what you're doing because what you're doing is working, right? So I find that it's just in terms of when you think about this model, I suspect it's going to be useful for a lot of people because I suspect that people have the same kinds of problems. But if it's not, don't worry about it. It's good to be pragmatic about it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Richard, uh, for joining us today. I keep following you on LinkedIn um, and uh, hope I hope to welcome you soon again on our podcast. Excellent. Thanks, Henrik. It's really a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in. Are you keen on learning more about strategy goals and performance management? We have a wealth of insightful content just for you. Head over to purdue.com slash forward resources. That is P-E-R-D-O-O dot com slash forward resources.